Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. We're going to go to Ephesians 5, 14 through 16 today. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about time. Time we have is precious. Amen. Has anybody ever asked you, you got time for that? And you knew you didn't have time for that? But you said yes anyways because they were valuable to you? Have you ever done that? I want to talk to you about making Jesus so valuable in your life that when he asks for your time, it's an easy yes. Ephesians 5, 14, we're going to read from the Word of God. I have the old school Bible, King James Version. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shall give thee light. So then, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'm not one of those preachers that preaches how evil the days are. I believe there's always been sin in the world. There's always been sinful people in the world. I believe the church is greater than the sin in this world. I believe the cross is more powerful than anything, than anything anyone can get caught in. I still believe he breaks addiction, amen? It might be cliche, but I still believe he breaks chains and he sets people free. Lord, we ask you to bless this word, the hearing, the planting into our hearts and our lives. Make us responsible as soil right now to receive the cultured and engrafted word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. There was a young man that was studying to do great things with his life and he had invested so much time and his skill and effort that he had sought out one of the greatest teachers of his time and he said sir what is the most important thing that I can do the gentleman that he was talking to was W.E. Gladstone when he was prime minister of England he had a great success story as well as great accomplishments and I would appreciate you giving me a few moments, the young man said, in which he lay out his plans before W.E. Gladstone, and Gladstone listened because he was a man that was astute and very educated, and he said, what would you do after you do all those plans? Because he had only planned to get out of law school. He had only planned to get through with high marks and high grades and be at the top of his class, and so W.E. Gladstone said, yes, young man, but then what? When you graduate from law school, then what will you do? And he said, well, well, sir, then I, I hope to be placed in parliament, in the House of Lords. And he said, Gladstone said, yes, young man, that's great, but then what will you do? And as Gladstone said this, the young man, being very smart, started to pick up on what was going on here. He said, well, then I hope to do great things for Britain. He said, yes, young man, that's great, but then what will you do? 
And he said, then, sir, I hope to retire and take life easy. Don't we all want to do that? And he said, yes, young man, but then what will you do? His tenacious repeating of the same question had the man begin to get flustered. He said, well, then, Mr. Gladstone, I suppose I will die. That's, that's what happens. You live and then you die. And the young man, kind of frustrated, said those words. And after he spit them out, the young man hesitated and said, I, I never really thought further than that, sir. And then he looked at the young man sternly and said, young man, you need to go back and plan because you've forgot the most important thing, and that is your forever. He said, life is so important. Life needs successes. Life should be a challenge. Life should be a goal. Life should be something where you reach for the highest pinnacle of what you can be because truly you honor the great creator when you take every gift that's in you and hone it to its best use. You, you offer back to God what he has given you even at the best possible uh, skill level that you can. But he said, when life is done, because the scripture says that life is but a vapor, you have to make sure that you have planned more for your forever than you've planned for your tomorrow. You have to make sure that your life is right in Christ Jesus. Amen, church. Because life is short and eternity is forever. Amen. And so I talk to you today because I don't have... Uh, the greatest of words to speak you into the kingdom where I don't have a way to encourage your faith, but the word of God's preached today can encourage your faith and can build you to a point where you say, my time is not my own. My time is not what I can do with it, but my time belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for me on the cross. That was my death, my substitution. And so if he put his body on the cross to bring mine off of it, to give me life through his death, then I must must give him back what he gave to me, and that is a life of time. A life of living for him is the best life you could ever live. There's nothing like giving God your days and your time. I'm grateful that God was in my life when I was young, but I'm also grateful that he's redeemed the time in my life where I had wasted it. What if you spent every morning waking up and you were given over $80,000 a day to spend. But at the end of the day, when the clock strikes midnight, all of that $80,000 was gone. You had a bank account that refreshed itself every single day with a brand new $80,000. And a brand new $80,000. But if you didn't spend it in that day, by the time it became midnight, the previous 80 would be wiped out and a new 80 would be put in. Would you withdraw it all? Oh, yeah, you would. You'd be at that ATM pulling out as much as you can every single day. You'd go to the bank and withdraw as much as you can, put it under your mattress and tell nobody about it. You'd want as much of that 80000 as you could every single day. Even if there was more coming, you would pull out as much as you could every single day. Did you know you have about 84,000 minutes in every day? And every day at midnight, it starts over again. And what you don't use, you lose. And so I'm wondering today, how are you spending your time? What are you doing with your time? I can talk to somebody for about five minutes and I can tell you what's valuable in their life. And the reason why I can know that is not because I'm so smart, but because when someone starts to speak, they'll tell you what they do with their time. And what they do with their time tells you what is valuable in their life. 
If you talk to a grandpa and all he can talk about is those sweet grandkids, you know he loves his grandkids and you know that's his world. Amen? That's where his value is and that's where he puts his time. It's funny that interesting things happen in the world we live in, right? If you can say something that catches on virally on the internet, you can end up making millions off of it. It's interesting that you don't have to have really much education or even an ability to articulate very well, as the case is with Kimberly Sweet George Brown. Is that how you say your name? It's uh, interesting that she got famous. Kimberly Sweet Brown Wilkins got famous because she survived a fire in what I believe to be is an apartment complex. And it originally was aired on April 8th of 2012. And it said that she was praying, Lord Jesus, help us because there's the fire. And then she made a statement that she has patented and made more than $15 million off of. And that is, ain't nobody got time for this. You know the statement, don't you? You've heard it. You've had it used. She sued Apple for more than $15 million for wrongly using that statement. Guess what? When it comes out your mouth, I guess you have right to it. I don't know. But if there's a viral video out there with you in it, you might, well, might want to patent whatever it is that got popular because you can make money off of it, apparently. So what she said was, ain't nobody got time for that. And it's been used all over the world. It's been used in places that you would not even imagine. But just that one phrase, speaking of how we just don't have time to do some things. And what we have to understand is, when God asks you, what are you doing with your time? It's not because he doesn't know the answer to your question. He's trying to realign your priorities and your values and ask you, are you doing the best thing with your time? Because brothers and sisters, the greatest thing that we have have in our life is a misunderstanding that we have more time. God is not a God who is not able to use our time wisely and help us to use it wisely and to help us to prioritize it. But I wonder if it's not us sometimes that are making poor decisions with our own time management. And if we don't have someone stand up on a Sunday, that's me, and preach to us and talk to us about what we're doing with our time, we might spend our time on things that are less valuable than we should. So I'm preaching to you today that things that are most valuable are determined by what you give your time to. And the Bible says that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We are to redeem the time, which basically means to convert time into value, to recover and not waste it. To convert time into value and recover and not waste it. Prioritizing. Why should we redeem the time? Because that is what God uses. He uses our timeline as our testimony. And the scripture says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb in Revelation and the word of their timeline, <laughs> the word of their testimony, everything that happens to you in life. God wants to use it for his glory. I didn't say that he was the one that made it happen, but he is the one that can change it to make it valuable to you when it shouldn't be. The hurts, the pain, the struggle, that shouldn't have been worth anything, but God can turn it into something valuable in your life because if you give him all of yourself, you give him all of your story, you give him every bit of yourself, including your timeline, he will make glory from your story. It's one of my favorite lines, I think. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want to do everything I can 
to redeem the time. I put the clock up here today because time is so valuable. I was driving in D.C. and I came out near the actual building where they do the time calculations and there was a, a time clock out. It was a digital time clock and it was out by the road and it was the national it was the national standard for time. So, of course, I got out every watch I had real quick and set them all to the national standard of time. I want to set my heart and I want to set my life to God's standard for my time. I want to give him everything that I've got. And whenever I say that, I, I want you to understand that when you give God your time, you're giving him a gift that he gave you. But when you give God your time, you're giving him something very powerful to work with. In fact, time is so powerful that it can change your identity. Did you know that? It can change who you are. Moses stopped at a burning bush because he realized that's supposed to be burning up and it isn't. And the reason why the bush didn't burn because God was in the bush and because God was in that particular location, God is eternal. And in order for something to burn, it takes time. So when a burning God stepped into a moment in time, he didn't stop being eternal. He was still eternal. So even though there was a flame coming from the bush, it was a flame coming from an eternal God. And unless you light a match and give it time, it cannot burn. So that's why it did not burn, because it was coming from an eternal God that was not bound by time. And that's why Moses turned himself to the bush and said, why is this burning, but yet not being consumed? And when he turned, of course, the, vo the voice came out of the actual shrubbery. Now, figure this out. You're going to go release about a million people from Egypt. They're all in bondage. And you're going to show up and tell Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the known universe at that time, that a shrubbery took to you, <laughs> that you heard from a bush <laughs> that I should be here. And imagine the, 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 the craziness of that just for a moment, that you're going to walk into a man that has the largest armies known to man at that time. And you're going to say, you're going to let us go. We're going to go out a few ways and we're going to worship our God. And why, why would you let them go? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just know that I heard from a bush. <laughs> I heard from a flaming bush in the, in the wilderness that I was supposed to let people go, that you're supposed to let them go. And I, I don't know about you, but I would be very, very um, remiss if I didn't ask a few questions myself at that moment. And he did. But he asked the wrong question. He asked, who am I that I should go? That's not the right question. The question is always, and he eventually got to it because Moses was a smart guy, who sent you? Not who are you, but who sent you? And so he says, the, the bush that talks says, I am that I am sent you. Just tell him, I am sent you, which means the I am statement from the scripture is so powerful because you can follow it all the way through. It's like the word is just so powerful that whenever you pull on a, a, a verse in Genesis, it puckers over in Revelation in your Bible. Everything is tied together. Everything is linked together. So you have to understand that when he's talking about the I am to Moses, he's going to use it later on when he shows up as God in flesh on the earth, Jesus Christ. And you're going to see places where he, he talks about I am, but he starts it here with Moses. He said, just tell him that I am what 
whatever I need to be at the moment. Tell him that whatever it is that you need, you were sent by somebody who's able to do it. Just know that if you are dispatched by God, he will put everything you need attached to that order. Amen? That his word has power to stand on its own. It doesn't need you to believe it to be true. It doesn't need you to understand it to be true. You don't have to have a, have a concept of the armies of the angels of God going with you into Egypt, Moses. All you have to know is that I'm going to deliver my people and that you are sent by the I am, the almighty God. That's a beautiful statement because we see that Moses spent time, spent time in the wilderness and that whenever he was dispatched by God, his identity changed. He was then one that was go, would go and redeem the people of God. Tell them, I am sent you. That's supposed to be enough, huh? I'm going to go tell them just to let their workforce go, their entire workforce. They're busy building pyramids or something. I'm just going to go tell them to let go. So he, can I take just a few seconds and tell you that whenever you give God your time, whenever you turn aside and let God distract you from the day and just let God sweep into your place and let, and let you God sweep into your presence and you, you go out to your car for lunch and you, you just spend some time with the Lord, there's something that changes that day. There's something that happens when you give God the first part of your day, when you put a devotion in your life, as hard as it may be, when you give God time first, when you put first, seek first the kingdom of God and his rights. We know the scriptures, but it's so hard sometimes to apply, but if you put God first in your day, he will reveal himself to you in ways that he then wants you to use in your future to reveal him to others. Literally what happens in scripture is that God tells him that you're going to go into the, into the places where no one else could go and deliver people no one else could deliver. And you're going to do it because I told you you could. How many want to hear a word from the Lord in your life? How many know that if he says that it's done, how many want to be a person that's sent, not a person that's looking to your own capabilities, but you're looking to the power of God that works in you, the righteousness of God in us, amen? And so God reveals himself in flesh when he's headed to a crucifixion. He's been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you see that Ju Judas is showing up with a band of soldiers to take Jesus away, and Jesus asked him, who are you searching for? Who is it you're looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he kisses Judas on the cheek or somewhere, I suppose it's on the cheek. And he says, friend, whatever you're going to do, you know, you've done it. He says, he calls him friend, even though he's betraying him. And then, of course, the soldiers say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says the two words. He said, I am he. And they fell over backwards. The first, the first example of God bowling <laughs> he said, I am he, and they just strike, you know, it's like they just fell over. And it's like, how does that happen? How does God with his voice push people over? You have to understand that when you begin to study the weight of words and the weight of sound, you know that Beethoven's fifth symphony has weight to it. Did you know that? Music has weight to it and sound has weight to it. Do you know anything else that has weight to it? Mass. 
So when God said, let there be, and then he created off sound waves, you have to understand that energy created weight, which created mass or whichever way it goes. You talk to God when you get to heaven, but some way he created the heavens and the earth and you can work that out with him. But what I understand of sound is that when you have sound, there's weight. Have you ever stood in front of some speakers and get hit by the sound? Sound has weight. And so what he did was he said, I am. And everything that was God in him created energy and pushed those people over. And they were like, yeah, he obviously is. No, no arguments there. They got back up and they took him away. But what I want you to understand is that sound carries weight and God's word carries weight in your life. Amen. And if he says it, it's going to be done. And that's what we see here in scripture that he, he, he not only knocks them over, but he references the I am that he gave to Moses. In other words, Jesus was using a powerful moment to, references, to reference Moses' timeline, where Moses took time with God. In other words, when he changed his, his ability to speak, and when he, he spoke out of his flesh, and there was power, and there was anointing, and he knew that that was God in flesh, he was saying and referencing a time when he spoke to Moses. In other words, God revealed himself in time by referencing a time when he revealed himself to Moses. What will God do when you give him your time that he will then put in his testimony, in his timeline, and say, remember when I met with Adon? Remember when I met with Sarah? Remember when I met with Carla? Remember when I used the reference points of their time with me to change somebody else's life. Your testimony changes people's lives. I can tell you that there's nothing more powerful than hearing somebody's story. You know it, I know it. I was, <laughs> you know that I don't have, I don't have too many times where I don't tell you that I'm not supposed to be here. I almost died four times in my lifetime. My mother was driving in a motorhome. We were going down the Alaska-Canadian Highway. And on the Alaska-Canadian Highway, there are potholes, but they're not potholes that you just drive over with one tire. You drive into one side of them, drive across the pothole, and drive out the other side. That's how big the potholes are on the way to Alaska. I grew up in Alaska, and on the way through some big potholes, the muffler of the, of the actual um, motorhome hit the ground and it broke the muffler and all that carbon monoxide was coming into the back of the vehicle and we were laying in the bed sleeping, my sister and I, and something tapped my mother on the shoulder and said, you need to go check on your children. And when we got to the doctor later that day, the doctor told us we were about 15 minutes from death. And because God knew that I'd be standing here someday, talking about the goodness of God. He spared my life. And you see, as my mother's prayer life that made her recognize the tap of the Lord on her shoulder. It was her time given to God. I'm sorry I'm weepy. I'll get back here in a minute, sorry. <laughs> this is what my life is. My life is one story after another of the time that my mother invested in God and the time that others invested in God and the times that I've invested in God. 
But the greatest gift is not me giving my time back to God. The greatest gift is what he gave me through me giving my time to him. The greatest gift is that I can actually approach God and that I am made by him, that he is my all in all and that he is everything I have ever needed. My story is not a story of provision for myself. My story is a story of provision from an omnipotent God who changes everything from eternity to time and that he has walked into my life and said, I want to walk with you every day. I I want to never leave you and I want to never forsake you. And as hard as your day may be, the best thing you can do is give me a little bit of your time because I will give you so much back for that gift of your time that you will stand one day and say, the greatest gift I received was when God gave me my son or my daughter or my hope or my joy back or all these things that we get when we stand in his presence. He is my great redeemer. He is my recoverer. He is my refresher. And I start my day wondering, if I give him time today, what will he do with it? What will he do with the works of my hands? What will he do with the places I go? Brothers and sisters, I tell you this. Make your time valuable by giving it to God. And your gift of time will give you the greatest gift, which is eternity with him. Start using your timeline as a lifeline for others. You can reach somebody not because you're so great, but because you spend time with the greatest one of all time, who stepped out of eternity and disrobed himself of his glory and walked on this earth as Jesus Christ and died for us, you and I. He gave the remainder, imagine if Jesus had lived to 70 or 80 years old, what he could have done, the ministry he would have had. He would have needed an entire marketing team. He would have needed an entire social media team. (laughs) He would have had such a huge following. He would have had an international ministry. But instead he said, I'm going to wait till I'm 30. And then in three years, I'm going to do what no man could ever do. And I'm going to lay my time down so that I can give the world eternity with me. He would rather die in time than live without you forever. That's how much he loves you. What are you doing with your time? Would you stand with me? I didn't get to every one of these scriptures, but I hope I impacted your heart a little bit today. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I spent a lot of time at college. I am a student. <laughs> That's what it means to be in college. Where do you spend your time? Uh, I want to be moldable in his hands. That weight of sound is amazing that God created the heavens and the earth. But the Bible says when he got to man, he didn't speak us into creation. The Bible says that he formed man of the dust of the ground. He got his hands involved. And so because of that, I want you to know that we were meant to be shaped by God. And you cannot be formed 
if you don't make yourself the clay. If you don't put yourself voluntarily on the potter's wheel, the Bible calls him the potter and we are the clay. But if you don't put yourself voluntarily into his presence to be formed, the world will disform you. The ideals and the ideologies of this world are, are irrelevant when it comes to the things of God because he wants to keep you formed and shaped to look like him. And if you never spend time in his presence, how can we call ourselves Christians? Because Christians is to be Christ-like. And if we're never in his presence, he can't form us to be like him. That's why my time belongs to the Lord, amen? Because he is the potter and I am the clay. He molds me, he makes me into my, the best version of me. I'm not trying to be you, don't try to be me. Because you can't be, you have to be the best version of you and I'm uniquely made to be me. Nobody can be me like I am. But that knowledge is not to equip me to chase after my own gains or to go it without God because I am called, I am sent by his spirit. I am a child of God. I am accepted in the beloved. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am going to heaven someday and I am made by my time with him. So the greatest gift you can give God is your time, but the greatest gift that he gives you is that in that time you spend with him, he forms you to be more than you could ever be on your own. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, you're in control of this time. We have friends here today from different states. We have people that are, that are seeking you with their life decisions right now. God, we have others that want to change even circumstances they see in their friend's life. God, would you help us in some way right now to recognize that in this moment, in this very time with you, you can be the redeemer. You can be the one that recovers what we have lost. You can be the one who changes. Because of the power of the cross, you can change our tomorrows. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to spend time with you, to be careful, to add value to our day by first spending time with you. I pray right now that somebody in this room would have their faith rise in you, Jesus. And they would walk away from this moment saying, you know what, I may feel like things aren't going quite the way I wish they would, but I have someone who is a gift giver. I have a God who loves me. I have a God who seeks after me and a God who runs after me with, with all the things that I have in my life and in my heart. I cannot run from the one who chases me down. He's pursuing somebody today in their heart, in their life. He's pursuing their time. He's saying, would you just spend some time with me? Would you let me be the potter in your life? Would you let me mold you? In Jesus' name I pray, you make us by the time we give you. Be our greatest gift, Jesus. In your precious name I pray. Amen.